Hi, it's Scarlett. Welcome back to the Retro Cinema Review Podcast, where we rewatch, review, and reminisce about older TV and movies. Um, this time, we are again visiting Big Love. Um, this time, it's Season 1, Episode 3, titled Home Invasion. This originally aired on HBO March 26th of 2006. Um, this is the third episode in the Big Love series, so if you missed one and two, you might want to go back and listen to those as I go through and pick apart every episode um, in the series and, you know, kind of follow all of the drama. Um, I love a good rewatch. So this episode opens on Bill's father in a truly beat-up pickup truck. He's driving in a very rural area, comes up to a ramshackle home and a bunch of travel trailers. Basically, he pulled up to Bill's mom, Lois, her house. Um, He pulls out a lawn chair and sits down in front of the house, Lois's house, and just takes a seat and stares at the house. (sighs) Is there no end to the strange behaviors from this man? I mean, he's like... A combination, like, you know, crazy old man in the neighborhood, get off my lawn type thing, um, slash bully. Like, it's not really said, but honestly, I would call him a bully. He's trying to bully Lois, and it seems like he does that kind of to everybody. I don't know. We'll see. Then we go to the other end of the spectrum, and we see Miss Nikki viewing an event space, like, where she's told that they have seating for up to 200 at the Monte Cristo. What is she doing? It looks like she's planning a damn wedding. And then she tells the man, oh, an early sit-down supper is exactly what she had in mind. An early sit-down supper? Is this Depression era? Do we still use the word supper? Or is it just me? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what Moneybag's wife is up to, but um, then she says she needs to accommodate 100, and she wants to know if she can bring in her own entertainment. And he assures her that that's fine, and she says, okay, it'll probably be either a magician or maybe a puppy party. A magician or a puppy party? Uh, excuse me as I choke on my tea. This woman is delusional. So am I to believe that she's renting out a banquet hall that looks more appropriate for like a quinceanera or a wedding to have a kid's puppy party? Wow, Nikki is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. We didn't see somebody zipping around in a small aqua roller skate. I, okay, it's a car. Um, and they pull quickly into one of the Henriksen's driveways. Um, and can we just stop for a minute and look at the color of this car? Okay, I think car color is a very personal thing. If someone chose the color for me, I would not be happy because if anybody is planning on buying me a vehicle, please let it be black with black or gray interior. That are the, is the only acceptable color and combination as far as I'm concerned. 
And I would hope that if anybody was going to buy me a car, they would know me well enough not to buy me a car that looks like an overinflated Tic Tac on wheels. Just yikes. Ugh, that color is hideous. I'm sorry. Um, so it turns out the crazy driver was Bill. And after he parked his car in the garage, he runs in the house to farm my Jean, who is thrilled to death and extremely overly demonstrative in her thanks. Um, but of course she is. It's Margie. She always acts like a five-year-old who's hopped up on sugar. So Bill tells her, <laughs> as she's literally climbing all over his lap in the car, he tells her, stewardship, not consumption, is the proper relation to material wealth, Margie. And you can tell that <laughs> she has no idea what he just said, what it means, but she just glosses over it and keeps jumping all over his lap like an excited puppy. I hope she doesn't pee in his lap, Jesus. And she's just thrilled to death to have a brand new car. And of course, who comes out in the garage to witness all this but Barb with the all-knowing eye? And she just stands there and you could see she kind of disapproves, not of the car so much, maybe, but I think more of Margie's reaction to the car. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go to Nikki's mom, Miss Adeline Grant. This woman has seen some stuff. And talk about calculating. It's definitely Nikki's mom, Adeline. So she's attempting to teach our dear little friend Rhonda you remember Rhonda. She's the 13-year-old who wants to be married to old Roman Nikki's father. You know, quote, the prophet. Rhonda is obviously not interested in education of any kind and is completely ignoring Adeline as she reads her science lesson. Her only interest, she turns to Adeline and says, how far is it from here to New York City? Adeline is less than impressed. <laughs> But the phone rings, and poor little Rhonda is saved by the bell. It turns out to be Nikki, and she eagerly asks her mother if they receive the invitations to the party. And her mother tells her, eh, your father's busy. Most likely he won't attend. And then Nikki begins to beg for him to come. Like she's somehow seeking his approval. It's very childish and very odd. Um, literally, like, stomping her foot, telling her mother, well, you have to get him to come. It's very juvenile. Um, so maybe this is the beginning of a scene why, you know, Moneybag's wife, Nikki, is the way she is. She's spending to compensate for the lack of approval and love and attention from her father. So Adeline explains to her, well, your father has weddings and funerals, baptisms of the dead, so many things to do. We'll see if we can fit you in. Okay, so let's pull this car over to the side of the road for a minute. And let's explore this baptisms of the dead comment. Huh? So I asked my friend Google, and this is a quote from the website LDS.org. You can go research it a little further. I'm just going to give you the basics of what they said. So go read it there. Do not come for me. Um, quote, by performing proxy baptisms, in behalf of those who have died, church members offer these blessings to deceased ancestors. Individuals can then choose to accept or reject what has been done on their behalf. 
And then it also goes on to say, quote, the validity of the baptism for the dead depends on the deceased persons accepting it and choosing to accept and follow the Savior while residing in the spirit world. The names of deceased persons are not added to the membership records of the church. Now, see, I thought that after I die, I was done making decisions and, like, everything was kind of settled for me. But apparently, I'm still going to have to make decisions in the afterlife. Wonderful. The next thing you know, they're going to tell me that there's taxes also. Unbelievable. So let's get this little caravan of dysfunction back on track. So Adeline says she will try to figure out her father's schedule. Yeah, let's see how that goes. So then we go back and check in on poor Bill's mom, who is pacing in her living room like a poor little trapped rat because her husband is sitting out in front staring her down. This poor thing does not need to be pacing in that house. She's no doubt putting more holes in that already moth-eaten rug. I don't think it can take it. She should twiddle her thumbs or something that's less destructive. But there's no time to find out why. Because now we see Bill returning home to inform his wives that they are getting alarm systems installed. Everybody's up in arms saying they feel safe enough as it is. They have nothing more stealing. But Bill says, well, what about that Elizabeth Smart girl? They just slipped in through the window and took her. Okay, so again, let's pull this bus over. Um, Again, my friend Google, you can look into it a little more if you would like. Um, I'm sure there's potentially some podcasts um, on her and her abduction. Elizabeth Smart was 14 when she was abducted from her home in Salt Lake City and held captive for nine months by what can only be described as an absolute garbage human being and his equally garbage wife. Um, Again, I don't want to get too deep into it, but if you want to know more, you can ask my friend Google. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Okay, let's get this bus back on track. So then we go back to our friendly neighborhood creeper, or prophet, whatever, Roman Grant. (laughs) We see him giving tours and talking to reporters. So other than being the prophet, now he has a side job as like a museum docent. What is he doing? He starts giving a speech on how the principle of plural marriage is God's sacred gift and claims that they are the one true church. When the reporter asks him about violence against women and marriage of young children, he states, we root it out. He also spouts that if the Supreme Court recognizes the rights of the homosexual persons, surely it's time to recognize the rights of polygamists to live in peace, too. Okay, let's pull this bus over one more time. Sorry. I kind of have to agree with him. Um, Marry who you want. Live with who you want. Have as many wives as you want. I don't care. Have as many husbands as you want. As long as what you are doing is with consensual of age adults and is not hurting anyone else, I think you should be allowed to do what you want. Okay, so now I'm going to hop off the soapbox and we'll get back to the Henriksen homestead where Barb tells Margie that Wayne's birthday is coming up and Nikki hasn't mentioned it. When questioned, she says Nikki says it's a secret until she talks to Bill. 
Uh, can we take a moment to notice how hideous Margie's decorating choices are? I mean, you really need to go watch this episode. <laughs> Poor Margie's house. They say a few times that these houses were built. You can tell when they show the neighborhood that it is a newer neighborhood. But Margie's kitchen has yellow gingham wallpaper with scattered fruit. It looks like something a 75-year-old woman would put on the walls, not someone who's under 35. I don't know. Call me crazy. But half the reason to watch this show is the decorating choices. (laughs) After Nikki walks away, Margie just says to Barb flippantly, the Monte Cristo Hotel and Resort. So, of course, Mar- you know, Barb is going to go and tell Bill that. So Bill begins to question Nikki later that night. He asks to see the guest list, and it's more than two full pages on a legal pad. <laughs> and you know, it's just immediate family, she says. 153. Bill starts screaming, and he's upset. They just moved in. And do you want to parade 200 people in prairie garb and sunbonnets up and down our street? I don't think so. And of course, when he finds out she's talking about the Monte Cristo, he really loses it and says the party's going to be in the backyard, period. Leave her father off the list. He's not welcome in their homes. So as Nikki is standing out in the yard crying, Bill tries to comfort her. And who's in the shadows watching and listening? Mm Mm-hmm. It's the all-knowing eye of Barb's. Boy, Barb gets around. She is around every corner, hiding in every nook and cranny. Every time Bill does anything or says anything to one of the other wives. Nosy Barb. Mm Mm-hmm. And the next morning when Margie asks Barb about it, Barb, of course, denies knowing Nikki and Bill fought. Sneaky, sneaky Barb. She never shows her hand, does she? Aren't we the virtuous little Mormon wife? Mm Mm-hmm. So being her own kind of sneaky, we see Margie wearing sunglasses and a scarf on her head, and she calls Sarah to meet her in the garage, and the two pull out of the garage and speed off in the aqua tic-tac. I don't know where those two are off to unless it's just joyriding in that hideous little car. Good God. As he's walking into work, Bill calls to speak to his brother, who tells him their father is sitting in front of their mother's home, won't let her leave, so there's that. And then he thanks Bill profusely for the birthday party invitation. That night, Margie's obsessing about meeting Bill's mother. She wants to charm her, get in good with the mother-in-law. Good luck on that one, Margie. So bright and early the next morning, it's time to say hi to the neighbors, Carl and his wife, Pam. Of course, Carl recognizes Bill from his commercials. Carl is like, I don't know how to explain him other than kind of frumpy. Um... He just seems like one of those guys that tries hard but never really gets traction and goes far. Um, Yeah, just kind of stuck in maybe, you know, lower-level management forever, but he's a good guy, does a good job. He just doesn't have kind of the personality and the gumption to get any further. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on him. But he does recognize Bill from his commercials, and Bill tells him that he has a wife, Barb, and three kids... Uh, yeah, sure, Jan. Just forget your other two wives and kids. Mm-hmm. After he gets in the car and pulls away, Bill immediately calls Barb and tells her, uh, we have a neighbor problem. 
And as Bill walks into work, he finds an office employee, Wendy, crying at her desk, can I say, being a huge little drama queen, saying that a man broke in and forced her to write him a check for $22,000 and in the memo put second store 15%. Aha. So it seems like Roman is sending his little henchmen to take what he feels he's owed rather than waiting for Bill to pay it. Interesting. We then see Barb, ever the perfect little wife, has baked a bundt cake. And we see her marching it across the street, introduces herself to Pam. She explains that they have taken the single mother, Margie, and her two sons that live next door under her wing. And they own Nikki's home because, you know, they got it so cheaply when they bought their own and they rent it to her. It's a quiet little block, though. People keep to themselves. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Uh, Back home, we see Nikki finds out that her father will be attending the party. She literally jumps up and down like a four-year-old on a trampoline. A grown woman. Yeah, that's not weird at all. Uh Uh-huh. And then, of course, it's the day of the party. (laughs) And all the compound relations begin to arrive. Everyone who looks like they're straight off the set of Little House on the Prairie awesome. They all arrive in outdated vehicles um, that look like just this side of the junkyard, dressed in their 80s finest, straight out of the JCPenney catalog circa 1987. (laughs) Quite seriously, I wore some of this stuff in the 80s. Don't at me, it was the style. Marjean greets Bill's mother, who is completely nonplussed, brushes her off, and with asking about their cable. There's a show she wants to watch. And then, who's coming down the street in a red Hummer singing church hymns? Is it? Could it be? It is. It's the prophet Roman Grant. Nikki's father and soon-to-be husband to a 13-year-old wife. And who else is with them? Of course, Adeline. Adeline is interesting. She always makes sure that she's included. She's not Roman's first wife, but she sure as hell makes sure that in the pecking order, she's always first. Quite interesting. We know where Nikki gets it. As Adeline's daughter, she grew up at Adeline's knee seeing this. So let's veer off into the weeds again. A little note about red vehicles. Again, my best friend Google Um, If you search, we'll turn up countless stories about the convicted polygamist Warren Jeffs. One of his things was he forbade his followers from using or wearing the color red. He said red was sinful. When he was eventually um, apprehended by the FBI after being on the run, he was found to be driving a red, well, riding in, he wasn't the driver, a red vehicle. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, not something I want to get too much into, but... If you check it out, want to check it out further, ask my friend Google. So, hypocrite, pretty much. We didn't see Adeline ask for everyone's attention to point out that Roman was interviewed by the LA Times. Remember, we saw him playing uh, docent, essentially. Um, So she starts to read this story. The headline reads, Roman Grant, prophet and patriarch of Juniper Creek, home to the second largest polygamous sect in Utah, states, we are just like the homosexuals. 
crickets. <laughs> Oops, Adeline. Not the headline you were hoping for, huh? This is why you always read it first before announcing. Wayne then says to Mother Barbara, as he calls her, he is like, little Wayne cracks me up. He's like straight out of Eaton. He's very popular, proper, always proper. Mother Barbara, did my mother invite any children to my party? She answers poor Wayne, I'm not sure. He's adorable. Poor Wayne just needs to go away. He needs to be sent across the pond to Eaton so he can be with his people. We didn't see Adeline, Nikki's mom, telling both Barb and Bill that Nikki has always been difficult and both of them should at times give Nikki a good swat and then she'll listen sometimes. Of course, she says that to both of them because Barb is the first wife, so therefore, you know, it's okay if she hits Nikki. These people are strange. Violence is never the answer, Adeline. Someone needs to tell her. We, we then see... There is pony rides in the dust in the backyard. So I guess we vetoed the magician and the puppy party and went for a pony party. Okay, whatever. Um, this family owns not one, not two, or two home improvement stores. Three homes that the yards are all combined. Don't these home improvement stores sell, I don't know, sod, grass seed, astroturf even, something... So the backyard doesn't look like the road to Mankato or the damn Oregon Trail with all the dust and stuff in the air? Come on! Again, this is the connection that I see to the TLC show Sister Wives. I'm telling you, if you look at the backyard of the Brown family in Las Vegas on Sister Wives, there's one house that has grass. The rest is dust and dirt like the friggin' Oregon Trail. Big love. Same thing. Three backyards. The only thing taking up anything is the pool. The rest, Oregon Trail. It's redonkulous. As Nikki begins to help Wayne open his gifts, it's apparent that everybody thinks she's too extravagant. And Bill's mother runs off upstairs. She accuses Bill of coercing Margie to marry him, and she's too young to be Bill's wife. And then as everyone sings happy birthday, everyone just seems out of place. And... Just in time to complicate the day further, Bill's father pulls up. Well, yay, the party can begin now. Meanwhile, poor Margie's upstairs, uh, meeting her new mother-in-law face-to-face and just trying too damn hard to impress her. Jesus. She just starts with this slew of, like, verbal diarrhea, for lack of a better word. She blathers on and on and how she started as a cashier at Home Plus, but she was so bad at it. So Bill brought her home to be the babysitter, and Bill's mom is like, what? You married the babysitter? (laughs) Poor Margie. She can't say anything right. She just sticks her foot in her mouth no matter what. We then see Adeline, Nikki's mom, berating her daughter for what she calls vulgar materialism. And Nikki tells her she has no idea how difficult her life is. Stop picking on her. Back upstairs, Bill's mom is now pacing the floor since her husband arrived, and she finally decides to head outside and confront him. He wants her to admit that she poisoned him. She denies it and tells him, if I tried to kill you, you would be dead. Okay, point taken. 
While looking upstairs for Nikki, Bill finds her with her father in a wholly inappropriate position. It was very creepy, honestly. Her father is sitting on the bed, like propped up against the headboard, um, with his legs up on the bed. And then Nikki is sprawled across the rest of the bed on her stomach with, you know, kicking her feet up in the air, laughing, and holding her father's hand. There's just something about that whole thing that was just inappropriate and reeked of poor boundaries. I'm sorry. So then as night falls, everybody begins to leave. We see the neighbor across the street watching. Uh Uh-huh. And then we look inside the red Hummer carrying the prophet and his favorite wife, Adeline, and his soon-to-be young wife, Rhonda. We hear them singing church songs, and we see Rhonda cradling her newest possession, a stolen pink iPod. Well, 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 not the virtuous little wife-to-be now, are we? The episode ends with the family being awakened in the middle of the night by the new security system, blaring a siren and lights flashing in the naked dirt of the communal backyards. Can we take a moment again? I just can't get over the dust and dirt in the backyard. Is this, like, some polygamous thing I'm not aware of? I mean, I know water, desert, not a lot of it. Something? How do you keep the dust out of the house? How do you keep from being, like, dust clouds everywhere? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Oh, well. Maybe it's because I'm not a polygamist. I don't know. So, the drama recap... Bill. This guy must love drama. Like, between his wives and all of their drama, his family on the compound, he, his, oh my God, his his life is like a Shakespearean tragedy. His parents are both a hot mess, and boy, do they antagonize each other like children. And I'm not sure which one is worse at this point, so I don't know. Stay tuned. And Barb, I don't think I realized it as much the first time I watched this show when it originally aired, but wow, she's shady. She knows all. She says little. She collects info. She's like a little chipmunk storing nuts for the winter. I'm waiting to see how full those little cheeks get with all her little nuggets of info. Barb is the all-knowing eye, always watching. The question is... What is she going to do with all of that information? Oh, Miss Nikki. Again, we see Nikki compensating with purchases. The grandiose birthday party was obviously about her and not poor little Wayne. She even failed to invite any kids to the party. How do you have a kid's birthday party without inviting any of his friends? And the poor kid, when you see her opening gifts, it's all about name brand clothing, the poor kid didn't even seem to get any gifts that he wanted. She, she's getting messy. Her overspending and grandiosity was on display for everyone in attendance at that party, which, of course, she made sure was essentially everyone they knew. I don't know. This can't end well. Oh, Miss Margie. Well, someone definitely failed to endear themselves to Bill's mother, She was less than impressed with Margie, and it was evident. Um, I think Lois is projecting some of her own resentment over her husband marrying younger and younger wives um, on her son, 
and his newest young wife. Uh, I'm guessing there are not going to be any lunches or afternoon shopping with Lois and Margie anytime soon. And Miss Rhonda. Now that I know she's a little thief, she is on my radar. She's always trying to play little Miss Virtuous and Perfect. The prophet wants to marry me. But we are now seeing she is nowhere near as perfect as we might have thought. Interesting. So, thus ends episode three of Big Love. Um, as always, this show is fabulous. Um, a lot of drama, a lot of conflict, but that's okay. I'm definitely here for it. So I'm Scarlett. Thank you for joining me for another rewatch. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have some constructive criticism or suggestions on TV shows or movies that I should watch and we should review, email me at retrocinemareviewpod at gmail.com. And if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me.